Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to our third installment of the Jack Benny Show from the 1952-1953 season. This episode features a skit about High Noon, the famous western with Gary Cooper. And High Noon is one of the first early westerns to take on the dark psychological tones of the westerns that, that uh, became very popular in the 50s, certainly with the westerns of Anthony Mann and Jimmy Stewart leading the way in that kind of direction. And it's kind of fun to see Jack do a take on that. We recently, in the past few weeks, have had Gary Cooper uh, featured on The Bing Crosby Show which was a fun one, and if you haven't listened to that, you might want to go back and listen to that. It makes a great compliment to this episode. Now, this show does not feature Gary Cooper. It just feels it just features a take on that skit. But I always love to hear the skits that Jack does on popular movies of the time. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. This is Don Wilson, and smokers, there's no doubt about it, Lucky's taste better. And this better taste starts with Lucky's fine tobacco. Yes, L-S-M-F-T, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco in a cigarette that's made better to taste cleaner, fresher, smoother. Cleaner? You bet. In a Lucky, you have a perfect cylinder of fine, clean tobacco, free from those annoying loose ends that get in your mouth and spoil the taste. Fresher? Of course. Luckies are fully packed, without air spaces, hot spots that burn too fast, taste hot, harsh, and dry. And every pack of Luckies is extra tightly sealed to keep in Luckies' fresher taste. And smoother? Yes, indeed. Lucky's long strands of fine, mild, good-tasting tobacco are made into a cigarette that draws freely and smokes smoothly. So, friends, enjoy a better-tasting cigarette, a cleaner, fresher, smoother smoke. Be happy. Go Lucky. Make your next carton Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, the Sportsman Quartet, and yours truly, Don Wolf. Hello, this is CBS, the star's address. May I help you? Uh, yes, operator. With a change of time from daylight back to standard, could you tell me what program is on at 4 o'clock? Just a minute. Say, Mabel, what program's on today at 4 o'clock? I don't know, Gertrude. I'll look it up in this radio guy. <laughs> hold it, Mabel, hold it. Huh? <laughs> look whose picture's on page eight. Well, take off my glove and dial with my naked finger if it ain't Jackson. <laughs> But look at that strong chin. What character! 
some character. <laughs> One night last week, he drove me up to Mulholland Drive, pulled over to a lonely spot, turned off the ignition and said, well, what do you know? I'm out of gas. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I said, I'll be very happy to buy some. I'll bet that embarrassed him. Embarrassed him nothing. He siphoned a gallon out of his tank and sold it to me. <laughs> mad at a man like Jack Benny. Just look at that picture. The way he's standing there so casual and nonchalant with his coat thrown over his arm. Yeah. And just look at those muscles. Muscles where? On the floor. They fell out of his sleeve. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yes? Operator, this is Jack Benny. Gertrude, what's the matter? He's waiting for applause. <laughs> I'm not waiting for applause. I'm in my dressing room. Now, operator, with the change of time today, I'd like to check my watch. What time is it, please? Uh, it's 20 minutes to four. 20 minutes to four? That's funny. I got 20 minutes to three. Hold on. Mabel, what time have you got? Uh, 20 minutes to five. <laughs> No, no, honey. You moved your watch ahead an hour, and you're supposed to move it back. See, are you dumb? Hmm. Well, I'm not as dumb as Jack Benny. He didn't move it at all. <laughs> How could he? His muscles fell out of his sleeve. Operator, operator, I heard that, and I'm going to report you. That Gertrude thinks she's smart. The last time I give her Ethel for the price of regular. <laughs> now, let's see. Where did I put my... Uh... Oh, so you finally got here. Oh, boy! Rochester, you know I'm always nervous before doing a program. Why do you have to be late? Late? I got 20 minutes to two. <laughs> well, no wonder our watches are all mixed up, and it's your fault. Yeah, what were you supposed to do at 2 o'clock this morning? What I always do, tiptoe into your room and put a hot water bottle on your feet. <laughs> Is that all you did? Well, I must confess, boss, I tickled your toes a little. <laughs> oh, was that you? Yeah, when I saw the way you had your arms around that pillow, I figured you were expecting something. <laughs> Rochester, I always sleep with my arms around the pillow. I know, but last night you looked at it and said, don't you think two can live as cheap as one? <laughs> See, I do the silliest things in my sleep. I can understand putting my arms around a pillow, but talking to it. Rochester, why didn't you wake me up? I hate to cut in, boss. You were dancing. <laughs> Well, Rochester, I'm going down to the hall to Miss Livingston's dressing room. I'll see you later. Gee, but it's great after being out late, walking my pillow back home. <laughs> la, 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 Mary, are you in there? Uh, just a minute, Jack. I'm not dressed yet. Oh, Pauline. Yes, Miss Livingston. Uh, Mr. Benny wants to come in. Help me into my dress, please. Yes, ma'am. 
Uh, Miss Livingston, how long has he been on your program? Well, Pauline, it isn't my program. It's Mr. Benny's, and Mr. Benny's a star. I just work for him, and he pays me a very nice salary. Not as much as I pay you, but a very nice salary. <laughs> Pauline, uh, how does my dress look? Mm, it looks all right, Miss Livingston. But if I were you, I'd wear it a little shorter. You have such pretty legs. Oh, well, thanks, Pauline. It's too bad you only have two of them. <laughs> uh, what? Well, what I mean is, when you got something so nice, it's too bad you can't have more of it. Well, believe me, Pauline, every girl who has nice legs is perfectly satisfied with just two of them. After all, who'd look at a girl with three legs? Everybody. Mary, Mary, how about it? Just a minute. I don't know why it takes women so long to get dressed. Men don't take that long. Rochester throws me together in five minutes. Sometimes quicker... Oh, Jack, Jack! Oh, Bob! Bob, I thought you were on stage rehearsing the band. Well, I stood it just as long as I could. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, Jack, when I agreed to take over the same orchestra that you always had, I didn't know what I was getting into. What? These guys are driving me nuts. Why? Why, what's wrong? Well, look, in the first place, I'm stuck with an electric guitar player whose nose lights up. I know. Yeah, but there's a trombone player who's chained to the guy sitting next to him. Look, Bob. And a drummer with a candle on his head because it's his birthday. Bob. And I'm not even going to mention the accordion player who cracks peanuts in the pleats. Well, Bob, Bob, just have patience. I'm sure that... Oh, Mr. Benny, Mr. Benny. What is it, Dennis? John Wilson is looking all over for you. You should have started your program 15 minutes ago. 15 minutes ago? I got a quarter after three. I've got a quarter after four. Dennis, what does your watch say? Boulevard. <laughs> I don't mean that. <laughs> anyway, kids, if we're 15 minutes late, we better get out on the stage. Jack, where have you been? Hurry. Look, Don, this is not my fault. But the program. Don, Don, daylight saving time got me mixed up, but we still have plenty of time to do the sketch. So just take it easy. Uh, Jack, which sketch are we going to do? We're going to do a satire on that wonderful picture, High Noon, which starred Gary Cooper. I am going to play the leading role. You don't even know what time it is. <laughs> oh, quiet. Don, turn to page 12 and introduce our play Okay, Jack Bob, is the orcs ready? Well, some of the boys are sitting up <laughs> Good, good Take it, Don Ladies and gentlemen For our feature attraction of the evening We're going to present our version of that epic of the West The Stanley Kramer production of High Noon The time is the year 1875. The place, the little town of Hadleyville. The scene is in the office of the Justice of the Peace. I'm the town marshal, and my name is Gary Kane. This is my wedding day. Yep, right at this moment, I'm a getting married to my sweetheart, Amy. Do not forsake me, oh my darling. On this our wedding day, do 
not forsake me, oh my darling. Do you, Amy, take this man, Gary, to be your lawful wedded husband? I do. Do you, Gary, take Amy for your lawful wedded wife? Yep. <laughs> now repeat after me, Amy. I, Amy, take thee, Gary, to love, honor, and cherish. I, Amy, take thee, Gary, to love, honor, and cherish. Now you, Gary. I, Gary, take thee, Amy, to love, honor, and cherish. I, Gary, take thee, Amy, to love, honor, and cherish. And with all my worldly goods are thee endowed. And with... Repeat it, and with all my worldly goods are thee endowed. Ah, Gary, take thee, Amy, to love, honor, and cherish. Yes, as I even had to buy the ring. I now pronounce you man and wife. Gary, my husband. Amy, my bride. Kiss me. Uh, 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 it's customary for the justice of the peace to get the first kiss. Stand aside, Amy. The man wants to kiss me. I mean... <laughs> oh. Come on, Mary. Amy. <laughs> then Aunt Mary is playing the part of Amy. Let's get going on our honeymoon. Gee, Gary, I'm so glad you're going to give up your job as marshal and put those awful guns away. Yes, Amy. Now we can have a peaceful life. And... Marshal! Marshal! Yeah, what's up? Terrible news. Frank Miller's been released from jail. No! Yeah, and he's arriving in town at high noon. High noon! <laughs> Yes, high noon, and three of his henchmen are waiting at the railroad station to meet him. Where are my guns? And I better swear in some deputies. I gotta get Frank Miller before he gets me. Gary, tell me, what's this all about? Amy, five years ago, I arrested Frank Miller and sent him to jail. He vowed he'd kill me when he got out. So I gotta get him first. But, Gary, you may be killed. I don't want to become a widow on my wedding day. I want to go on a honeymoon. Look, Amy, I can't run away. You wouldn't want to be married to a coward, would you? Well, I'd do anything to get out of the May Company. <laughs> it was then I realized that Amy, spelled sideways, was May. <laughs> but I had my duty to perform, even if it meant losing Amy. I went outside. I walked the hot, dusty, deserted streets looking in vain for men to serve as deputies. Oh, to be torn twixt love and duty, supposing I lose my fair-haired beauty. Look at that big hand move along here in high noon. He made a vow while in state's prison, vowed would be my life for his. I went everywhere looking for deputies. I went to their homes, to the general store. And I went to the town saloon. In fact, we had a scene in the saloon. 
But we cut it because Phil Harris is on another network. <laughs> Finally, I went looking for desperate Dennis McNulty, a man who had been my assistant. Suddenly, I saw him. He came riding towards me. Whoa, whoa, easy now, easy, old paint. <laughs> Never had the heart to tell him. <laughs> he rode that cow everywhere. In fact, he was the man who originated the white line down the middle of the street. <laughs> Hiya, Gary. Congratulations. I hear you just got married. That's right, I did. Who'd you marry? The schoolteacher? No way. They always do in westerns. <laughs> Look, I haven't time to talk about that. I'm in trouble, Frank. I'm in trouble. Frank Miller's coming back in town to kill me. I need help. Oh. <laughs> also, a rehearsal. <laughs> you sure do. Sure came to the right man. I'll help you. You will? Sure you're not afraid? Of course not. When I see Frank Miller, I'll sneak up behind him. Uh-huh. Then I'll stick my gun in his back and say, feet up. You mean hands up. No, feet up. Pat him on the popo. <laughs> what? Let's hear him laugh. <laughs> As I left him, turned the cow over on its back and was milking it. <laughs> it looked like the fountain at Wilshire and Santa Monica. <laughs> I kept... <laughs> I kept walking on through the town looking for help. The streets were deserted. It was getting close to high noon and I had to find somebody to deputize. So I just kept walking. Walking. Walk. We think it's time for our commercial. <laughs> this sketch may take all day. We want to sing about those lucky, those good old lucky, fine tasting lucky. Cause Lucky Strike's our favorite brand. Everyone's tearing and comparing. Everyone's standing round us staring. Look at that big hand move along. Near in high noon. 
Luckies are so much better tasting. Give him another time's a wasting. He's not afraid of death, but oh, what will he do without Luckie? No truer words were ever spoken. We heard him from our ma and pa. Remember when those guns start smoking. Luckies, those good old luckies, so free and easy on the draw. running short. Still, I could find no one to help me. I was a marked man. No one would even come near me. This was before the days of chlorophyll. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. In my search for help, I wandered down to the Mexican Quarter. I came upon a group of people who were having a fiesta. Needing a deputy badly, I approached one of the men and said, Pardon me, senor, but do you know who I am? Si. <laughs> you know there's a man out to kill me? Si. Would you be willing to help me? Si. What's your name? Si. Si? Si. Now you, you, senorita, are you his sister? Si. Is it all right for your brother to help me? Si. What's your name? Conchita Guadalupe Lolita Hernandez Gonzalez Carito del Prado Ramona Rosita Ramirez. Conchita Guadalupe Lolita Hernandez Gonzalez Clarita del Pedro Ramona Rosita Ramirez? Si. But that name is too long. What can I call you? Sue. Sue? But I was talking to her, wasn't I? What do you do for a living? So. So? Guadalupe, Lalita Hernandez, Gonzalez, Clarita, Del Prado, Ramona, Rosita, Ramirez getting killed. It would drive the tombstone maker nuts. <laughs> and now I had to make up my mind. I wasn't going to wait for Miller to come looking for me. I decided to go down to the railroad station and wait for him. 
He made a vow while in state prison, vowed it would be my life or his, and I'm not afraid of death, but oh, what will I do if you leave me? I reached the railroad station. Frank Miller's train was due to arrive at high noon, with only a few minutes to wait. I went inside. Train now loading on track five for Anaheim, Kamanga. I was alone in the station except for one cowboy. Thinking I could make him a deputy, I went over to talk to him. What's your name, partner? Tex Crosby. Tex, eh? Then you were born in Texas. No, I was born in Louisiana, but ain't nobody gonna call me Louise. <laughs> That's an old joke. Well, it was new in 1875. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you doing here anyway, Tex? Well, I'm waiting for Frank Miller to arrive. We're going to kill the town marshal. Oh, you are, eh? Well, I'm the town marshal, and I'm going to kill you. Train now leaving on track five for Anaheim, Azusa, and Coop. But I'll give you a fighting chance. When I count three, draw and shoot. Okay. One, two... Three. Oh! Among us. <laughs> I got you, Tex. Oh, oh, oh. As he lay there, he reminded me of his brother. <laughs> he was a groaner, too. <laughs> Now I had gotten rid of one of the killers. The high noon train pulled into the station. It came to a stop. Frank Miller got off the very last car and was met by his two remaining henchmen. This was my date with destiny. I fell a lonely silence as I walked toward the three men who wanted to kill me. Alone in the blazing noonday sun with my hands on my gun. Slowly, I kept a going towards them. Hmm. My clumsy sound man got up and I continued walking. <laughs> gun and fire. Yep. I killed all three of them. Without giving them a chance to talk. This wasn't the way it was done in the picture. But I know how to save money on actors. <laughs> I was safe now. My only problem was whether to ask my wife to come back to me Go looking for Conchita Guadalupe, Lolita Hernandez, Gonzalez Clarita Del Prado, Ramona Rosita Ramirez. But regardless of the mix-up in daylight saving time, 
I and the whole town knew it was high noon. Jack will be back in just a moment, but first... Be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. Friends, you'll find Lucky's taste better, taste cleaner, fresher, smoother, because Lucky Strike gives you fine, mild, good-tasting tobacco in a cigarette that's made better to taste better. Lucky's taste cleaner, because Lucky's perfect cylinder of fine, clean tobacco is free from those annoying loose ends that get in your mouth and spoil the taste. Lucky's taste fresher, because they're fully packed without air spaces, hot spots that burn too fast, taste hot, harsh, and dry. And every pack of Lucky's is extra tightly sealed to keep in that fresher taste. Lucky's taste smoother, because in a Lucky you get long strands of fine, mild, good-tasting tobacco in a cigarette that draws freely and smokes smoothly. Yes, friends, Lucky's taste better. So for your own real deep-down smoking enjoyment. For a cleaner, fresher, smoother smoke, be happy, go Lucky. Make your next carton Lucky Strike. Be happy, go Lucky, go Lucky Strike today. My goodness, Mabel, I forgot about the man on the phone. He's still waiting. Hello? How about it, operator? What program goes on at 4 o'clock? The Jack Benny program, but you just missed it. I did? Yeah, but don't worry. Next Sunday's October 5th, and you'll not only be able to hear him on radio, but immediately following it, he'll be on television, too. Oh, good. The world is waiting. <laughs> Many programs written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Packerberry, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. This is the CBS Radio Network.